Okay, Chavra. Afrelech and Chanukah, Chanukah Sameach. Each and every one of you. It's such a privilege to be here, to be able to sit with you and to try, with the help of the Master of the World, to connect to each other, to connect to Him, to try to tap into some of the illumination that's accessible to us, that will open our hearts to it during this glorious time that's decidedly different than every other day, than every other night, throughout the year, there's something special. And there's an opportunity. And so the help of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Be'ez HaShem, together we should really, really move into that zone together. And open our hearts, and open our minds, and open our eyes, but our inner eyes, while our outer eyes are closed, inside we have eyes. And to open them up. And so the Bakasha is, and I ask it for myself as well, that we should try to maintain knowledge, silence, if we can. For the duration of the moments that we're going to spend together, and silence doesn't just mean not talking. Just like there's an inner eyes, there's an inner silence as well. To go back to basics. To tap back into simplicity. To remove ourselves from the noise of the complexities that we encounter later on in our lives mistakes, traumas, and so it's the after the let's try to connect with that light together.
You guys are fantastic. Mom is fantastic. I go to a lot of places, a lot of yeshivas. There's something here, there's something here. Second song already, there's a fire. There's a fire. You should keep it, Bezer Hashem. It should only grow. So today's a special day, other than being Hanukkah. Other than being Erev Shabbos, we'll speak about that also. It's Erev Rosh Erev Rosh This Shabbos is a very, very, very special time. Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, Hanukkah, it's a very, very, very holy and elevated and exalted Shabbos. So let's sing a, uh, a Rosh Chodesh song. Some of you may know this, some of you may not, but we'll learn it. It's relatively simple. And the words are Mizbeach Chodesh, Mitziyah and Tachin. We're asking the Almighty, the Master of the World, to reinstate the Mizbeach in Zion. As it should be clear to each and every one of us that the Besamikdash is not just a building. When the Besamikdash is destroyed, the world is destroyed. And there exists a Besamikdash between people. And there exists a Besamikdash between, between parents and children. There exists a Besamikdash between friends. And when that building is destroyed, it means that all of those elements of connectivity, honesty, openness, sincerity, all of that is destroyed as well. So we're begging HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Mizbeach Tachin, Rebbe reinstate that place, that place that connected heaven and earth. Don't we need a little bit more heaven down here? And we will bring the oil of the carbon oil of Rosh Chodesh on that rebuilt Mizbeach. Can I ask Mamash for absolute silence just for a moment? So let's sing this together, heaven. Let's start slow.
especially celebrated, valued, appreciated, joyous. And the reason for this counterintuitively, perhaps, is that the way that the calendar is set up, the fifth night of Hanukkah can never fall out on Shabbos. Okay, so then why is that the night that we're celebrating, right? Sounds a little bit should be the opposite. But the answer is that once we appreciate what Hanukkah is all about, these candles on the table are reminding us of, it's a Chaval does not in here, but at least we're reminded of. The Hanukkah is about lighting up that darkness, warming the cold, frigid nature of winter, not just the physical winter that surrounds us, but the winter that we experience in our lives, an internal winter, frigid, cold, numb, closed up. And the Hanukkah Ner emerges from a very, 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 very lofty place, and it's able to illuminate that darkness. Ooh. <laughs> No, that, that, that's a zikr enough, that's okay. You can light it if you want. So, once we understand that that's what Hanukkah is, so the fifth night of Hanukkah is the pinnacle of that. Because it, 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 it has no shaykhis, it has no relationship, it has no connection even with Shabbos. It is the pinnacle of darkness. And so Hanukkah, in a certain way, meets its, its apex, its pinnacle on this night at this time. This is the essence, the essence of Hanukkah. And so that means it's the essence of yearning. I'm gonna talk about yearning. It's the essence of thirsting. It's the essence of crying out from within that darkness and begging HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm thirsty for you. And I don't know where to find you. 
and I'm looking for you my whole life, and I didn't know that it was you I was looking for. Because I spent years and years and decades looking, 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 and all manners of different kinds of behavior, but it was all looking. And eventually we reach a point where we understand that, oh, those weren't the things we were looking for, no. We were looking for you. We were looking for the master of the world. We were looking for a connection. We were looking for depth. We were looking for beauty. We were looking for MS. We were looking for eternality, for infinity, to transcend ourselves.
say it, but because the way that it's written, I think, is very uniquely special. It's a story. It's a short story. And then I want to talk to you a little bit about the message of this story before we move strong, strong into singing again. This story is called The Ninth Flame. Listen carefully to every word. And it takes us to a place called Auschwitz. In the Hanukkah of 1944, this is a first-hand account written by a survivor. Listen to this. I will never forget the last Hanukkah in the barracks. Most of us were so consumed with scraping together any morsel while avoiding the attention of the guards that we had no inkling which day in the year it was. Especially in those last weeks before the liberation, the Nazis were, were particularly unpredictable and cruel and the chaos only made matters worse. Yet there were a few who always knew the exact dates. They would tell the rest of us that today is Shabbos, Pesach, and other significant days. On this particular day, a man would tell me that it was Hanukkah. That morning I went to the infirmary to try smuggling out some balm 
a little bit of ointment, oil, anything to help relieve my father's open sores, his disease, whatever it was, was eating his body away. And whenever I would sneak over to him, I would see him silently struggling for relief. As an 11-year-old child, I was completely overcome and overwhelmed by the sight of my suffering father. That particular day when I finally snuck over to my father's bunk, he was no longer there. I became frantic. An older gentleman who I did not know, but I had often seen talking to my father, came over to console me. He too did not know where my father was taken to this day. I don't know if it was the disease or a Nazi bullet that took my father to heaven, but his was a calming presence. He told me that today was Hanukkah, and that we celebrate the victory of the few weak over the many powerful oppressors. We light the candles to demonstrate that our light is stronger than any darkness. Your father, he said, would be very proud to know that you will carry on his light despite the blackness around us. I was so moved by his words and all the memories it brought back from my earlier years in Lodge that I suggested to him enthusiastically that we should light the menorah tonight. He sort of smiled at me, a child, a smile hardly concealing his deep anguish and said that it would be too dangerous to try. I insisted and made off to get some machine oil from the factory. I was so excited. And for this brief moment, I was able to put aside my grief. I slowly made my way back so as not to be noticed to the barrack with my treasured bit of oil. Meanwhile, this gentleman had put together some wicks, apparently from clothing or some other material. Now, we needed fire to light our makeshift menorah. I noticed at the end of one building smoldering cinders. We agreed that we would wait until dusk and at an opportune moment we would light our Hanukkah lights. Wait, we did. And we were walking over to the cinders. As we were walking over to the cinders, a guard noticed us and grabbed away the oil and wicks we were concealing. He began cursing us. A miracle seemed to happen when his superior barked a command that apparently needed his participation and he ran off with our precious fuel. The miracle, however, was short-lived. The animal yelled back at us that he would soon return to take care of us. I was terrified. The gentleman was absolutely serene. And then he said to me words that are etched into my every fiber until this very day. Tonight, he said, we have lit a flame more powerful than the Hanukkah lights. The miracle of Hanukkah consisted of finding one crucible of oil, which miraculously burned for eight days. Tonight, we performed an even greater miracle. We lit the ninth invisible candle, even when we had no oil. Make no mistake, we did light the menorah tonight. We did everything in our power to kindle the flames, and every effort is recognized by God. He knows that we were deprived by forces that were not under our control, so in some deeper way, we lit the menorah. We have lit the ninth flame, the most powerful one of all, so powerful you can't even see it. The man then promised me, you will get out of here alive. And when you do, take this ninth invisible flame with you. Tell God that we lit a candle, even when we had no oil. Tell the world of the light that has emerged, even from the darkest, the darkest of darkness. We have no physical oil and no spiritual oil. We were wretched creatures treated worse than animals. Yet in some miraculous way, we forged a crucible where none existed in the hellfires of Auschwitz. So there was no oil. Not even the filed oil. No oil, period. Yet we still lit a flame. A flame fueled by the pits of darkness we never gave up. Let the world know that our ninth flame is alive and shining. Tell every person in despair that the flame never goes out. As he finished these last words, the Nazi beast returned and led him 
behind one of the barracks. I made my escape. A few weeks later, the Russians arrived and we were liberated. And here I am today to tell you this story of the Ninth Flame. The beautiful thing about this story, you know, there are many, many wonderful, beautiful, lichtig, holy stories about Hanukkah menorahs that were successfully lit in Auschwitz, in Birkenau, in the camps. This is a story about a menorah that was not lit. It's not a story with a happy ending, but it's a tremendous reframe in terms of our understanding and appreciating just what success means or doesn't mean. And the ability to understand that there's a success that's composed of eight flames, and there's also a success that's composed by the yearning to light, by the deep desire to do better, to be better. And even when circumstances under our control, beyond our control, what do we know? It's on our control and beyond our control. We have to treat everything like we can and we can, we will. But there are moments in time, you and I know this well. And there are days and there are weeks and there are months, perhaps there are years. For some people, there are decades that are just filled with this yearning, with this desire to make it, whatever that means. To light the menorah of our connection to the master of the world. To light the menorah of our, of our potential that we have that never ever seems to reach fruition no matter how hard we try. And no matter how much we seem to want it. And the deepest secret in the world is that you might not be able to see it. But the Zara Kaddish tells us, Leis re'usa tavadis avid. Leis re'usa tavadis avid. There's no goodwill that gets lost, ever, ever, no such thing. Nobody videoed it because you can't video it. Nobody recorded it because it makes no sound. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows, HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows. HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows that in a moment, in a Shasarotz, and wherever that might be, sometimes it could happen in the most bizarre of places, not necessarily in a context of Kedushat, of Abrengen. You could be walking down the street and all of a sudden you look up at the sky, if you have the privilege of doing such a thing, and it hits you like, whoa, life is real. And the world was created. And I'm supposed to be something, and I want to be something. And God creates me and recreates me every split second because he needs me here for a reason. Not for my own fulfillment on whatever level, but for Am Yisrael. And for this 2,000-year-old story that you and I are culminating now at the very end, foot soldiers, he needs us. We have enormous, enormous powers. Enormous. And in that moment, something, something flickers. And the very next moment, it could go out. But that little desire, that little ratzong, that's recorded. A Baruch puts that away. That's never, ever, ever lost. The Gemara tells us, Shemusha shal gadol milimuda. On a simple level means that the actual involvement and engagement with those that are 
living lives of Torah to support that and to be involved with that shimush, to be engaged with Tamidah Chachamim and to watch the way that they behave and the way that they act and the way that they apply what they learn to quote-unquote real life is is even greater than the actual sitting by a text because you see a living Sefer Torah before you. But the Ishvitzer says something else. The Heligam Yashilach says, you know what Shimusha Shal Torah means? Shimusha means something that serves something else. A shamish, right? Shamish. shamish. We light all the candles from the shamish. We talk about the shamish now for a long time also. The shamish is very deep. But shamish is shimush. He says, you know what the greatest shimush of Torah done right is? And all of us here are in this yeshiva because we're trying to do it right. And not stam, you know, to toe the line, the party line, but to really, really do it. To really do it. You know what the shimush of that kind of Torah is? It's ratzon. It's desire. It's yearning. It's cheshek. It's cheshek. You know how many people are sitting and learning hours upon hours upon hours upon hours? They have the Torah, but the Shemusha Shal Torah they don't have. It's no cheshek. It's no personal involvement, commitment. It's no interest on their part. Society expects it of them, so they sit and they learn. And it's a wonderful thing. It's a holy thing. Not taking away chas shalom. But the Shemusha Shal Torah. The ruts on the cheshek, says the Ishbitzer, the shimusha shaltera is galdam limuda, the yearning to learn, the desire to be engaged in holiness, to be bigger, to transcend ourselves, to lift other people up, to shine that light unto our surroundings, narlagoyim. That's galdam limuda, that's even greater than any learning you could possibly do. Why? Why is that so? Why is it greater? In what way is it greater? Says the Meshiloach in another place. Learning or anything practical in this world, something that we do, is necessarily limited. Because how many lines can I learn? That's limited. I learned five lines. For how long? Sat and I listened to a half hour speech. Don't worry, I'm not referring to this speech. This will cut short. It's measurable. And so the moment that I'm finished learning, the Gemara is closed, or the Chumash is closed, or the Sefer is closed, and I stand up and I'm finished. Ah, but he says, yearning Ratzon? Ratzon, real Ratzon? It's infinite. It's infinite, 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 because there's no way to quantify it. It's not from this world. It's not measurable. It's not quantifiable. It's a gadol shimusha shaltari yosimili muda to sit and to yearn and say, Rabbanu Shalala, master of the world. This is an avoda, by the way. This is something we can consciously do. Come into the base mentors five minutes before davening, sit in your chair. Close your eyes. Say, master of the world, I want to daven. Rabbi Nelson says we should have this kavana. It sounds cute, but it's very, very deep. When we say, Rabbi Yisrael, invention. It's not just, you know, inviting people. You know, let's get together, let's bench. No, but there's a deep avoid there. What does mevel invention mean? I heard some of the guys with Hasidah Shavar Havudah. What does it mean, mevel invention? We want to bench. We want to bench. That's an avoid. Not just to jump into it. Have that kavana next time you hear. Rabbi Sai, mevel invention. We want to serve you. We want to bench. I'm doing it because you have to, you have to make a cheshbin. Do I really want to wash? Because, like, you know, it's annoying. Like, a little bit of a chachren I could do, but like a whole benching. Rabbi Samivel and benching. And that rutzon is infinite, 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 infinite. We want to daven. We want to learn. It's infinite. The Yaris Devash, amazing, 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 amazing thing. 
says, do you know why a little bit Purim, it's always a little bit Purim? Rabbi Nachman ben Fega, Fega's Rosh Hashanah, is a Gansir Purim, a whole year Purim. Rabbi Nachman is, is drawing the light of Purim all the time, right? So even though it's Hanukkah, it happens to be Hanukkah and Purim are very connected also, and that's a Hanoi. Purim. Why was Esther Yisoyma? Why was Esther bereft of a father and a mother? Says the Aristvash, can't make this stuff up. Can look it up. Listen to this. He says, Haman, all the way back up, Amalek, comes from Edom, comes from Esau. And Esau's whole thing was Kibbut Ava'im. Esau's whole thing, the one thing that Esau had, was Kibbut Ava'im. He treated his parents with respect properly. That was Esau's thing. And that was his chus, that was his merit. So he says, in order to counteract this Milo of Haman, that Haman had this merit, this chus of Kibbut Ava'im, we needed someone who perfected the mitzvah of Kibbut Ava'im. He says, you know what kind of person perfects the mitzvah of Kibbut Ava'im? A person who has no parents to respect, but yearns to fulfill the mitzvah of Kibbut Ava'im. Because when you actually go ahead and respect your parents, okay, it can't be 100, 100%, but the yearning could be 100%. It's deeper, it's deeper than the actual Kibbut Ava'im. The yearning for it. The yearning for it. This is what the Kutzke Rebbe says with this whole finish. We'll sing. There is nothing as whole as a broken heart. There's nothing as whole as that. Because that moment of brokenness, that moment of feeling, we should feel this. And sometimes it takes a little bit of a detachment from our friends. Sometimes it takes a moment of solitude to take a long walk. Not with somebody. Also with somebody. Different time. By yourself. Take a little bit of a walk at night. Be comfortable with yourself. By yourself. You're enough. You're enough. You're enough entertainment for yourself alone. You can keep yourself very, very busy thinking, thinking, thinking about your past, thinking about your future, thinking about the present. What is this place called the world? What is this thing called life? And yearn, yearn in that moment, yearn. Even if we don't know what we're yearning for, but we're yearning for something. And that yearning, this inning of the ninth candle, it's infinite, infinite, infinite. And it's recorded, and it will come to your assistance in a time of need. L'chaim, l'chaim.
singing part of that zemer, the Yizamrun Lach Shirin Barachshin. That we will sing, we will once more sing, maybe this is already a little bit of a key of that. The Yizamrun Lach Shirin Barachshin Yerushalayim Kar to the Shifrayim. Yerushalayim and Eretz Yisrael, back home, back home. Kar to the Shifrayim, the beautiful city, filled with beautiful people. So this, even less people might know this song, but it's also very, very easy to pick up on, and this is one of those songs you can sing for hours and hours and hours. So again, let's start slow, and we'll move our way up with the key and with the tempo as well. But let's start slow, and let's throw ourselves into this song. Totally, 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 completely. <laughs>
These lockers should have been the main subject of the poster. I don't know. Gotta get these. Unbelievable. 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 Wow. Yes, Okay, feel no pressure to sing. You can listen while you eat. I'll get shit, I'll get Vehaikar shalo Where will I find 
He asks a very fundamental question, or a simple answer to it also, but he, Kedarka Bakadesh, goes amok, 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 deep. And the question he asks is, we could understand the first night of Hanukkah, we make a bracha, lahadlik ner Hanukkah, so we're lighting one candle. But he says the second night, and the third night, and the fourth night, why isn't the bracha lahadlik neirois Hanukkah? Okay, the obvious, the obvious answer is, is that because your yoytz and the mitzvah chilo were just one, and so the etz and mitzvah is one. That's on a that's on a pshat level. Listen to Rukuk. Rukuk says that Am Yisrael. And the very essence of who they are and who we are are rooted in the concept of Tiferes. Tiferes. The Pasuk says, Yisrael asher b'cha espa'er. And Gadosh Baruch refers to Am Yisrael as the nation within whom I take pride. Tiferes is, is pride, is sparrows, is beauty, splendor, excellent. But more elementally, at the core of what this concept of Tiferes is, we find that any concept of Tiferes needs to be accommodating of many different elements that combine to form something that's called Tiferes. Think about the coat that Yaakov Avinu gave to Yosef Atzali, because the Kisun is passing. This multicolored coat, it comes from Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov is the Midah of Tiferes. Avram Avinu is the Midah of Chesed. Yitzchak Avinu is the Midah of Gevura. Restraint, strict, harsh severity. And Yaakov Avinu is Tiferes, means to say Yaakov is the blend between the Midahs of the grandfather, which is Chesed, the Midah of the father, which is Gevura, and Yaakov Avinu is Tiferes. Tiferes is a blend. One of the English words that we use when trying to describe this concept, Tiferes, thank you so much for coming. One of, the, one of the concepts that we use, one of, the, one of the words that we use is harmony, right? Harmony. What's harmony? It's two different notes that if they're sung in the right way together, they're two different notes, but they blend together to produce a whole that's greater than the sum of the parts. This is the concept of Tiferes, Yisrael Asher B'cha Espa'er. 
Yaakov Avinu is one individual. I'm sure he had a unified message to give over. He has 12 Shvatim. And each of the 12 Shvatim, from whom we all descend and derive, have their own Nusach Tvila, have their own path when they're walking through the Yamsav. Each and every one of them has their own Indian, their own Degel, their own flag, their own approach, their own purpose. But together, the collectivity of each of these disparate paths is called Yisrael Hashem B'cha Espar, as Am Yisrael, is the nation of the Jewish people. <laughs> Says Rav Kook, we have a tendency oftentimes as Jews, when presented with all of the elements that together make up this thing we call Knesset Yisrael, the Jewish nation, Knesset is a gathering of different things. We have a tendency to root ourselves within one of those elements very, very strongly and be so entirely entrenched and rooted within that one particular element that we forget about or we even feel that we need to deny the existence of the other elements and the other paths. Cesar Cook, each of the Hanukkah Neiris, that might get dangerous, by the way, and with these, uh, what's it called? I don't know if you fill, if you fill them up with oil and the, and the glass can melt. It's a... Uh, Yeah, wouldn't be the worst idea. Maybe they'll put them out. <laughs> what do they do by Yaakov Klein's Vada thing? They put out the menorah. What's going on? Rumors are going to start. Listen to this. Says Rav Kook, each of the flames on the menorah represent one of these shining, beautiful elements that all together make up Knesset Yisrael. Whether it's Chesed, Limanat Torah, Tefillah, Shabbos, Yamim Toivim, Mitzvahs, Midos Tovos. There are so many different paths to God. There are so many different entrance points. And throughout the year, Sometimes we latch on to one of these things so incredibly strongly because that's our shorish, because that's our root soul, that we come to denigrate. And we come to look askance and to put down maybe other paths that are just as viable and that are just as genuine and that are just as necessary. Says Rav Kook on Hanukkah, all of those different lights. I wish I had his lashon in front of me. So beautiful, so poetic. On Hanukkah, we realize that they're all the same height, part of the same candelabra, same menorah, and we make the bracha lahadlik ner Hanukkah. Al pipshat, like we said, that's referring to the one new candle that we're lighting each night. Says of Kook, no, you're you're referring to all of the candles that look disparate to you, that look separate. But you realize in Hanukkah that it's all one there. You realize in Hanukkah that that little dancing candle, that little dancing flame, contains within it all the different gavanim, all the different colors of what it is to be a Jew. All of the rejoicing and all the anguish. All of the confusion and all the clarity. 
all of the winters and the summers of the Jewish experience throughout our history and in the history of our own lives becomes unified, brought together. And the light of Hanukkah is shining, it's a light of essentiality, it's a light of essence, it's a light of essence. And that essence is Yisrael HaShavachah, that contains all the Gevanim Lahadlik Ner, Lahadlik Ner Hanukkah, it's one candle, it's one candle. Revelable Eger, the Teres Emes, who was a grandson of Rabbi Kiva Eger, famously, a lot of stories about that, some conjecture about that, some conflicting reports about that relationship. But Revelable Eger, in Ashmatis to his Sefer, brings a Torah from his grandfather, from Rabbi Kiva Eger. It's not a halachic pilpul, it's not a Talmudic dialectic. But it might be the deepest thing in the whole in the whole safe or whatever I've seen. This this tyrant. This is you know take the take this one to the bank. Listen to what he says. Mamish, the deepest, the deepest. So Daf Yomi now is doing Tainus. Some of the chaver doing the Daf. Yep. Amazing. Shachan. Tainus. The Gemara at the end of Tainus says like this. In the end, in the end, Asid, in the future, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is destined to make a machal, to make a circle at Tzadikim, who Yoshev B'nei B'Gan Eden, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will sit between them, among them, G'an Eden. Each one will point with their finger and say, Zashem Kivinu, ah, this was the God to whom we hoped. Says Rebbe Le'Eger, the name of his grandfather, the Holy Rebbe Kiva, Rebbe Kiva Eger. What's this Indian of a machal, a tzaddik, in a circle? Can't line them all up. Have a Kaddish Baruch Hu sort of appear, you know, at the shtender in front of the shul and have rows. What's this Indian of a machal, a circle, a tzaddik? Of course, it connotes dancing. It's another tyrant. It's another deep thing. And when you come into the presence of God, there can be nothing other than circles, nothing other than dancing. But he says like this. He says, throughout history, different tzaddikim, because I bother you to shut the door, I'm so sorry. Thank you so much. Not before inviting them in, of course, if they don't want. So he says, throughout history, different tzaddikim have been pointing their fingers in different directions, saying, this is the way to God. And the other tzaddik is pointing in another direction. He says, no, no. This is the way. This is the way to God. This mahalach, this messairah, this dastairah, whatever word they want to put him. This is the way. This is it. And he says, sometimes throughout our history, it appeared as if you had tzaddikim that were standing literally facing one another pointing past each other, this is the way, and the other side because they know this is the way. And you had a Gra'an of Al-Sham HaKadosh, and you had so many tzaddikim, so many tzaddikim, all the way throughout the generations. There was never one generation that didn't have some Indian of this. We had two diametrically opposing paths, thank you so much. Each of them pointing into the person who's standing outside, and a person looks, Conceptually, it, it seems like, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? They're pointing in different directions. Says, 
HaKadosh Baruch reveals that they were all standing in a big circle. And that even those that appeared to be pointing in the opposite direction of the ones that were standing of the tzaddik and that were positioned, standing position opposite them, they were all pointing to the middle. They weren't pointing past each other. They were pointing to the very same thing. And that each and every one of them that points their finger, even though you and I are standing at different sides of the table, if you were to point on one hand, it looks like you're pointing past me, and it looks like I'm pointing past you. But if we're both pointing to the candle in the middle, we're pointing at the same thing. This is Rabbi Label Eger, and the name of Rabbi Kiva Eger, that itself encapsulates this tyrant. So we're all, we're all talking about the same thing. Don't be against before, before the right thing. And I don't just mean before, like, speak about it, yell about it, be before, be. And your very essence, all of you, all of you. David Amalek says, va'anit filah. He didn't mean that I liked to daven. He was a prayer embodied. David Amalek was a tefillah. You saw him, he was a tefillah. David says, Ani tefillah. That we can embody our derech, find our derech. And hold it very, very tight to our hearts and fight for it. But always, 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 always to keep in mind this type from Rebbe Leibel Eger, that history has a way of channeling HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Ashkach. History has a way of writing itself, correcting itself, and that there needed to be a grah, and that there needs to be a Vashem HaKadosh, and that they need to say different things, and that their Torahs need to attract different kinds of Neshamas, and that each and every generation has its own Torah, has its own Ba'esahi Lamar, like the Dagamach and Ephraim says, a Torah that's unique to this particular generation. But at the end of the day, as long as it's a derech, as long as it's filled with consciousness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as long as it's filled with a deep personal engagement in what we're doing, with a cheshek, with a shimusha shal taira, not just the taira, but a shimusha shal taira, then find your derech, no matter what it is, it'll be on fire. Oh, when I'm gonna eat all this, but thank you so much, I'll take it home. It should be mamish, fire, fire, fire. And that all these things are drachim. If we're able to identify the shirish, the essence, that pervades all of the different branches. That's also what we look at when we look at a menorah, and we see different branches, but they all come from one shayrish. And if we can identify that shayrish, and if we can identify this thing called Tiferes Yisrael, called Knesses Yisrael, what I refer to in my, in my book, and what Rabbi Nachman refers to, I believe, as the princess, that, that, that element of essence of youthful wonder and excitement and passion and humility and inwardness and depth and sensitivity and gentleness. The sum total of, of Pirke Avas embodied. That no matter what Derek you might be walking, as long as it channels that essence of what Akadosh Baruch Hu dreamt of when he dreamt of Am Yisrael, when he dreamt of you and me, that it makes no difference. It makes no difference what your derech is, when it speaks to you. And of course, we need a Claudius of all drachim today, that's our generation, 
is the Sheva Dam, Ma'asiv Luchalamachanus. The last generation, we have to take a little bit from everything. That's, that's without a doubt. But each of us should have a headquarters. Find your headquarters. Find your headquarters. Throw yourself into it. Embrace it. Be you. Be you. And with that uniqueness, dance, dance wildly. <coughs> constantly, constantly pointing the way toward everybody around you, just in case your neshama is reflected in theirs. Zashem kivinulay. Zashem kivinulay. Nagila v'nismecha. Hallelujah. 
This is from me. This is, no, no, no. Not only is this from me, this, this is from me. This is from me, written mamish. Mamish for you. Mamish for you, for each and every one of you. Mamish, a love letter. Okay, we'll start with the Tarsha Viksav comes first, right? And I'll come back when the Tarsha Viksav comes It's 70 shekel for Sunlight of Redemption and 80 shekel for the story of our lives. There are only two copies, the last two copies that I have. The story of our lives. If you're going to commit to read it, don't just buy a book to have a book, but if you're going to read it and work through it, this book changed my life before I wrote it, and it changes my life every every day. My whole life is based on this book, and um, what can I say? It's a, it's a peerish, it's an explanation of Benachman's story of, of the lost princess. Benachman, toward the end of his life, told 13 wondrous tales, long stories, many of which are hard to identify exactly what the meaning is, but the lost princess is sort of the, the straightest and the easiest. And when I was learning this story and writing on the story, I realized that Mamish, the essence of the Balshemtiv's revelation, is all encapsulated within this story, not just in theory, practical eights, things you'll go back to. It's a, it's not a book. It's a, it's a, it's a whole mahalach shalim. It's a complete path, not just in Abodes Hashem, but in life in general. And so there are two copies of that. So whoever's interested, well, I see your light, one your life that's eighty. That's eighty shekel. Right no pressure. And the Sunlight of Redemption, which is a pure Shmuel Nachman's first lesson in the Kutimran, is uh, is seventy shekels. So we have those for sale. L'chaim, l'chaim, chaver. Thank you so much. Mamish fire. Mamish fire.